Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Everybody Counts podcast. It's a big episode. We're breaking down the season finale of Bosch season five. So have a lot to to talk about in that episode, but, you know, just stuff in general from the whole season. We might want to hit some of the highlights and just celebrate what a magnificent season it was. And then at the end of the podcast, we have a great interview with Scott Clayce who plays Sergeant Mankiewicz, definitely a fan favorite, and that was a lot of fun, so you can look forward to that. Yeah, Um, wait till you find out what sport he plays. Wait till you find out. Wait till you find out. Yeah. But first, we've got some news. Now, we had a wish list, a writer's room wish list going. We had a poll out there this week. Just different things that have come up on the podcast and from some of our interviewees, things that they would like to see in the show, things that fans would like to say so, see. So we came up with four possibilities. Of course, hashtag save the merce has been going on since, what, episode two, I think. Uh, something like that. Um, Bosch stash, because our dear Titus Welliver would like to sport a mustache for part of season six. And we have Beansy for season six. Pete and I are desperate to meet Beansy. We got to we got to put a, a face with this character. Yeah, agree. Um, and then, unfortunately, I think he got in at the end of the podcast season because Detective Moore, uh, better known as Crate, he would like to have uh, because he's the best looking guy on the show, self-professed. <laughs> <laughs> he would like to uh, pull out his little hand mirror sometimes during at some point during the show. Just a little nod to that that running gag that he plays. But, you know, his interview was last week, so I think that probably hurt him in the running because uh, we just hadn't been pushing that one for nearly as long. So, drum roll, please, Pete. Okay, let's try that with Jay. Out of cannon. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Okay. In last place, sorry, Crate. The more mirror got five percent of the vote. Oh, so sad, Pete. Beansy for season six, fourteen percent of the vote. And the first runner up, the Bosch stash with thirty percent, which means Save the Merce takes the poll with fifty one percent of the vote. He got the majority. The Merce got the majority. I'm not really surprised. Yeah, go ahead, Pete. I figured out a way to make this all happen, okay? You have Beansy sell legal mercies to Pierce when he goes to purchase his new one. And then you have Bosch with his mustache undercover hanging out, arrest Beansy, and then you have um, Crate come, and as he's doing the arrest, he could look in his mirror. Yes, or kind of catch it all in the reflection of his mirror behind yes. him. Yeah. yeah, you could yeah. add them all to one little scene for, and get everybody wins. Okay, do you hear that, writer's room? We've come up with a solution for, for everyone to get their writer's room wish. But that was fun. Thanks, everyone, for participating. Um, it's, it's definitely a lot of fun to get behind these campaigns. So on a more serious but still fun note, Amy Aquino is doing her Alzheimer uh, End All's Longest Day fundraiser again this year. Tomorrow is June 21st, which is the longest day of the year. And that is when they do the longest day fundraiser, and she will be making jam again on the 21st. Anybody who donates at least $300 definitely gets a jar of jam, but anyone who donates $25 or more 
is in a raffle for some jam and other prizes. So, hmm, you know, you can get your name in the hat that way as well. But we definitely want to support her in that effort. It's um, in honor of her Aunt Florence, and um, it's a great thing that she's doing and such a worthy cause. So we wish you the best, Amy, and mm-hmm. go out there um, and just check her Twitter, and you will see a Do link it. to Do go it. where you can donate. Serious very cause. Worthy cause. Yeah, very serious. Important. Now, get yes. this, guys. Our pal Tim Lunabus, mm-hmm. who played Ed Sung this year on Bosch, um, shared on his Twitter that tomorrow is also another special day. The L.A. Police Reserve has named it Michael Conley Day. Dun, dun, dun. That's awesome. 6-21, Michael Conley Day. I think that is super cool. So thanks, Tim, for sharing that with the fans. And speaking of Michael Conley, his fundraiser for My Friends Place LA with the T-shirts. Um, when I was taking my notes earlier today, they were almost at 3,000. It may very well be at 3,000 or over I, I by now. I thought it was. Like, it was. I okay. Thought I thought it was, when I maybe. looked, it was maybe 28 T-shirts away. So that is fantastic. There are five days left to order, to order your Everybody Counts or Nobody Counts T-shirt. So definitely jump on that. All right, guys, anything else before we get into our case review? Uh, yeah, I have two things, if you don't okay. mind. Okay, yep. go for it. Don't mind, I like to talk. Uh, number one, number one, I just want to put out there that uh, if you guys have not seen it on Dewan Johnson's uh, Twitter or Facebook, he's up for uh, MA consideration. And number one, you should check out the clip because mm-hmm. it is really good. I don't even watch that show. Yeah. Um, but wow, first of yeah. all. And then second, I think it was earlier today, uh, he put out like a Emmy consideration video mm-hmm. uh, where uh, he just kind of talks about it a little bit, and he's hilarious. Okay. He's uh, hilarious. If you have not seen it, you need to. It's, it's classic Dwan, and it's amazing. Check it team out. Pierce, Team Dwan, check it out. Yeah. Um, then the other thing that I wanted to throw out there, um, because I know Tracy won't do it herself. If you have not seen what she did, I don't know, was it last week? Was it last uh, week you posted that on FanFest? Earlier uh, this week, yeah, yeah. Perhaps one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Um, Bosch fans, uh, she put together, was it 91 characters? 91. 91. Mm-hmm. A, a list of the 91 characters from this season and a little bit about each one of them. So if you ever wondered what someone's name was or what the heck they did or you're watching an episode now or whatever, you're like, who the heck was that guy? Just Google Bosch (laughs) unofficial character guide and I guarantee you it will come up and it is extremely comprehensive. I'm madly impressed with it. So check that out too. Well, thank you very much. As I've said when I shared it, it was a labor of Bosch love. So... um, yeah, I, I' happy to put that together for Listen, folks. And I, I, I hope got, it's helpful. I got a lot of Bosch love too, and I'm way too lazy for that. <laughs> like, I would have given up about character eight. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna do a research paper, it might as well be about Bosch. But, you know. There we go. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Well, let's get into our episode. It's titled "Creep Scientist Kill." which is a reference to the first episode of the season 
when um, RHG detectives Conniff and Espinosa are at Hollywood Division giving a sort of update about a case that they're working on where the creep signs his kill. Um, um, sort of, ugh, it's gross, marks a little cross into the skin of like, what, an ankle or maybe a hand? Do you guys remember which? It was a hand, right? I'm, I'm not sure. Pretty sure uh, it was a hand. Okay, sure. okay. So, but yeah, definitely etching like a little cross um, in there. So we know that last week, Vega and Pierce, when they found more body parts. Oh, yeah, hands. So they found hands and a head, and they found a little cross um, carved into the hand, and Pierce asked Bosch about it. So we'll continue on with that particular case um, in this episode. But, you know, it's interesting that they used a title that tied episode one to episode ten. It was directed by frequent Bosch director Ernest Dickerson, who also has done a lot of episodes of The Walking Dead as well. That's where I first saw his work. And then written by Daniel Pine and Katie Pine, who I believe um, is his daughter. So that's pretty cool. Oh, check that yeah. out. Correct me if I'm wrong, of course, but that that's what I've been led to believe. So, all right, well, let's get into it. Maddie leaves. It's the next morning, and Maddie leaves. Anybody want to talk about that conversation she has with her dad or her tone? What do you want to say about that? You know, I've had so much to say about Maddie this season. So, you know what? She is fairly reasonable this time around. Fairly kind of reasonable. Till she talked yeah. back to him at the end. You know, they're saying goodbye. You offer some coffee. They kind of talk for a little bit. He walks her out to the car. They kind of say goodbye. He does the dad thing and tells her, you know, the curfew is midnight. And she was pretty like, pretty much, hell no. Which, hello, this is your father, Maddie. Um, but... Uh, she was actually smiling a little bit in the scene, so I felt like maybe we were reconnecting a little bit, even though it was an ugly time. But the thing that stuck out to me the most, uh, when they were talking in the kitchen before they made it outside, mm-hmm. just the tightest his eyes, to ah. that whole emotional part. Uh-huh. Like maybe, And maybe it's because I'm a dad of yeah. daughters. Maybe yeah. that could be too. But like, I was hurting. Yeah, I was hurting. Yeah, because he's really tough. trying. He's really trying. He you know, was, to... and he was so calm and yeah. so. I was hurting. I was hurting. Yeah, yeah. He offered to drive her. Offered to bring the dog. It was yeah. It, it's it's. He was vulnerable. We're not yeah. used yeah. to seeing Bosch very often actually visualizing that vulnerability. All you right, Pete, so Pete wants gonna, to say something. Yeah, I'm going to speak up on two points here. Um, the first point is the Maddie point. I think she's running scared. She doesn't know what to do. She has okay. to figure it out. But we're going to talk about Maddie later. Titus in this episode. I watched this episode like three or four times because I'm really excited for this review. It's a, it's a good, you know, wrap up. Mm-hmm. But he had to act out about five or six different emotions in this single episode because I've seen it. Yeah. And you, you watch it. And he kills every moment. And it's like, like he did such a great job. If you guys didn't recognize yeah. it, Go back, rewatch it, and every moment that, that Bosch is having a conversation with anyone, just watch his facial reactions and the mm-hmm. way he's able to maneuver it and get you right into the moment. And I mean, he's been doing it all along, but this episode, yeah. I felt like it really stood out for me, and kudos to um, Titus Agreed. for pulling it off. Yeah, Agreed. yeah, Agreed. It, it did really showcase his emotions in so many different conversations and scenes. Uh, speaking of conversations, 
Jay Edgar talks with Latanya. So these two, they just really care for one another. They're still supporting one another. I'm still pulling for them as a couple. But he's telling her a little bit about Jacques Avril, and uh, there's mention of Death Squads, and just all the scary stuff that we've been learning about him. And she encourages him to talk to Bosch about it. She's also worried that he's going to go after Jacques Avril. And interestingly, uh, he shares that that's not that he's protected because of this paramilitary group he was right. involved in in Haiti was, I guess, sponsored or whatever by the U.S. So he's kind of got built-in protection. So it's, this situation is, is getting scarier by the moment. But one mm-hmm. thing I want to point out about this conversation is she doesn't run away from it. You know, she's been very vocal about fears about his job and fears for him and for his kids and so forth. But she is being supportive. She's She's out there with him trying to help him. She's not just saying, I can't be a part of this. So what do you think about that, guys? Does that Has that changed a little bit from last season, that she's willing to talk about these things and be involved? Go ahead, Pete. I got a lot of feelings on this, too. I just want to say I think it's great that he was able to connect because I've, I didn't talk about it last episode because we didn't really have time, but in the episode before that about how I felt like he was alone, and I was wrong because he does have somebody to lean on, so I think I think it was it was a good a good verification for me of how that's going to work and she's going to have his back through this whole thing because like I said it, his appearance is alone from the outside looking in so someone's got to be there for him and that's her. Yeah. Okay. All right. What do you have, Jay? Uh I I appreciate her being supportive and I like that she's kind of turned the corner and she doesn't shy away from this stuff or I don't know if complain about it is the right word, because I don't really think she complained about it. She just didn't like it. So I appreciate that. However, however, if you're going to meet the dude for coffee and you're going to be there for him, can you get rid of the boyfriend and just get back with him? Like, for real. I just enough already. All right. Come I mean, on. that's that's an interesting take. What I see is that it's she's moving full, like there's movement. Like, she's not ready to give up the safe boyfriend and all that. But the fact that she's willing to talk to him about these things and, and sort of be a part of it and that part of his life, that's to me, that is different from last season. So I, I think. Yeah, but you know what? It's just going to hurt him more. It's just going to hurt him more in the long run. Okay. I know. And you're thinking about you're thinking about Jay Edgar, but we have to think about Latanya, too. I mean, she's taking a risk. She's she's taking a risk by getting a little more involved in talking about this stuff. And so, yeah, he's going to be hurt, but she's afraid of being hurt too. She's afraid of of you know losing him. Period. So, I think you have to look at it from both of their perspectives. Tracy, you are <laughs> you are such a political power player in all this. Oh, no, sorry. no, stop messing with the dude's heart. Okay, get rid of you the know. boyfriend. Get back together and find a way to make it work. That's all I'm going to say. I didn't, I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't want to, you know, put the attention on myself. But Chief Irving has reached out to me about being his running mate. Um, <laughs> he, you know, so, I mean. You're going to okay. join the dark side? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what, are you going to shred things for him? Is that what you're going to do? I, all right. I'm the shredder. Yes, I'm the shredder. It's it's a well-paid position. All right. So, well, thank you for those thoughts. Everybody's opinion counts. We know that. Jay Edgar also talks to some other folks. He talks to Harry a little bit about it. You know, Harry kind of inquires. He talks to him a little bit 
I think about the was did he talk about the guns that have gone that have resurfaced from the drug bust? I can't remember how the subject came up, but basically J. Edgar kind of said thank you. I will, you know, talk to you if I need to. Like Bosch put out his offer to help and Jerry accepted it when he needed it. It's just not the right time, I guess. He said it's too early to share. Okay. Okay. All right. That's exactly what he said. All right. And then dun dun dun. J. Edgar also talks to Marcos and Arias. You want to talk about that, Pete? Well, you know, the two guys who appear to be the big bad guys were the guys that I thought were the big bad guys after the first episode or second episode. But um, that was a heated conversation. I, I, you have to really know Boss to know, like, okay, they're having a conversation, but he's really singling them out during that conversation. And they know he's singling them out, but they can't yeah. admit to anything. But they're kind right. of like, be careful if you're going to go down this road. Watch and, your back, yep. And over your walks, shoulder. When he walks out of that bar uh-huh. or club or wherever they were, did you see his face? And then he, he went into the car. And I've only seen that face on Jay Edgar or um, Jamie once ever before. And that was on the other TV show where he was the big bad guy. <laughs> I was like, I was like, wow, he's he's going he's going straight, yeah. you know, he's going straight Marlowe there. So it uh, was just so yeah. tense. They were both, you know, they were saying. Ah, you know, if, that, if you're dealing with something like that, you're going to be looking over your shoulder all the time. And he's like, yeah, they're going to have to be looking over their shoulder, too, even you know, even though he's talking about them. And it was just, yeah, it was just. Now, now I do want to say, as a Jay Edgar guy, I'm sitting there going, oh, no, Jerry, you just got shot, like, last season or the season before that. You would just, remember yeah. when he got shot? So, like, it can happen. Like, you know it can happen, and he's fearless. Because I was like, wow, wow, it, it's. This case, if this case carries on, which I believe it will to the next season, and he gets Bosch on his side and Pierce, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good one. I'm ready. Oh, uh, it's yeah. What are you thinking, Jay? I'm I'm along the same lines as you guys. Okay, I mean, all right. Really? How, how do you be anything different here? You right. know what I mean? All right. We don't agree often, all of us. <laughs> right. Take take it while you can. Hurry, <laughs> move on. Well, we alluded a little bit to uh, Chief Irving running for mayor. He does make the announcement in this episode that he is officially exploring a run for mayor. And interestingly, he makes that announcement shortly just after talking to Billets about the consolidation rumors. And um, he assures her that he he doesn't really think it's a great idea either, and that's not going to happen under his tenure. Well, dun-dun-dun, what if he becomes mayor? He's That's not... He's not police chief anymore. Is that his way of saying, I'm not really going to commit one way or the other? It doesn't matter what I say because I'm planning to get step out of this job and into another role? Did y'all think about that? I think it means you can't mess with Irving. That man <laughs> plays the game so well. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter. Billis, Bosch, the president of the United States, this dude is on it. And while maybe it's a little shady and maybe it's not so kosher, uh, the dude is on it. You can't mess with him. Yeah. You just can't yeah. mess with him. Yeah, for sure. And I think yeah. we just keep seeing that. You know, I always, you know, you always are left wanting more from Bosch. You know, you want some more things wrapped up. You don't want to have to wait till season six. But I was I on that um, Reddit 
Ask Me Anything with Michael Conley and Henrik Bastin, that was one of my questions was, well, what was happening there? Was he just saying that because he knows he's going to run for mayor and he doesn't really have to be honest about what he feels? And Henrik's answer was, patience, grasshopper, <laughs> which I thought was great. That's Jimmy's line, you know. So we just kind of have, have to wait. They they didn't wrap that up in a, in a nice bow. But we do see that Bill is asking him about the consolidation rumors, and he kind of talks about how he's not sure about it now because the L.A. Times is reporting those um, crime stat anomalies. So obviously the envelope that she left at the bar for Scott Anderson is making its way into the papers. Dun, dun, dun. And helping our Hollywood homicide unit. <laughs> yep. Would it be fun to try to dial in uh, one of our honorary correspondents? Ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling. Ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling. It is a horrible ringtone. Yeah. It oh. is a very loud ringtone. Dempom is unavailable. Let's try. Well, let's try Kathy. Kathy uh, was one of our correspondents on the call about the reading the books. Maybe we should advertise that we might be calling somebody. So they would have left us. Trying, trying for Kathy is brought to you by the Save the Merce campaign because <laughs> yes, every yes. detective should have a Merce. SaveTheMerce.com. Calling Kathy. Ding a ling a ling a ling a ling a ling a ling a ling. I'm going to start that website tonight. SaveTheMerce.com. I'm going to start that. I'm you should. You I need should. screenshots from the show. I'm going to have to get some. Dewan, give me some screenshots. I'm going to start that website. Could it be? Will they answer? Find out on the next episode of Bosch Everybody Counts Podcast. Joe. Did you try, sister teacher? Did you try? Why? I'm trying. I'm trying, Joe, right now. Maybe they're all watching Bosch. Let's try Titus Welliver. Let's call him. <laughs> oh. They're going to all go and see these missed calls and then try to call me back. I would just like, oh, wait. Oh, what, wait. What? Wait, what's going on here? Hello? Hello? Teacher? Hello, sister Hi, teacher. What up, girl? Me. What up, girl? What's going on? How y'all doing? Y'all call me. We yes, called we you because we wanted to surprise someone on the podcast. So there you go. We surprised you. You look surprised. <laughs> Hey, Jay. <laughs> What's up? Hey, hey, can I tell you guys hi, something? Hi, hi, Tracy. How y'all doing? Oh, listen, what up? I, I got to meet Sister Teacher yesterday, right? And yeah. she was mad at me that I released the info about meeting her on the last podcast. Oh. And I learned how old she was yesterday. And she said, do not share that on the podcast. <laughs> so I am, not, I am not going to tell anyone that she's 28 years old. I'm not going to tell her. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, can't, you can't say that, Jay. You can't Sorry. say that. Right. Well, oh, I'm not going to do it, so don't worry about it. I'm How good. dare you? Good. Well, we thought, you know, if you were available, we'd just surprise you and see if you wanted to comment on Tom's visit to Harry about Maddie's sunglasses. Oh, well, that was interesting. <laughs> um, because it's like none of, no one really liked Tom. And it seemed like he was just trying to connect. And like Harry said, but Harry seems to like him, I think, if he told him yeah, to call her. Like he, yeah. he said it twice. Like, I know it's a novel idea because <laughs> he said he texts her. He was like, but, you know, call her. So it seems like I, I guess Harry kind of, I don't know, like him today. We don't know how yeah. that might change in the future. Right. Um, and I guess he probably admires that he didn't out his daughter for what she did 
Um, and then he mm-hmm. said he was on the wrong side of, of borders. Right. I guess it seemed like where he could see that once the facts came out, he didn't just stick with what was being said in that sense. So I don't know. He maybe kind of likes him, I guess. I, I'm, I'm not sure, but he didn't, yeah. you know, fuss him out. Like he, yeah, you know, I mean, he kind of he kind of went to bat for him by by encouraging him to call her. So Jay, you look like you're itching to say something about this conversation. Well, I should have just punched him in the face, man. <laughs> just like wham! Stay away from my daughter. Thanks for the sunglasses. And you know off. what? You know what Tom was in this conversation? He was humble. And I think one thing that we have all been a little frustrated with was him always trying to impress Maddie and tell her how to do things and. You know, and but he was more humble in this conversation, don't you think, Pete? Listen, Tom <laughs> likes Maddie. Yep. Maddie likes Tom. Bosch is a good detective and sees this and senses this. Okay. And he kind of gave his little nod, his little approval. And I think it's, I think it's, it's a great thing. We might get to see Maddie and Tom in the future. Well, well Pete's been planning think, a wedding. Well, yeah, I, I think that's today because if he do something. That Harry doesn't like, all hell will break loose. <laughs> True. Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And without hesitation. You know. So well, let me let me ask you guys a question though. How brave is Tom to go to Bosch face to face to return the question to feel him out about Matt? No, no. Yes. That just shows how stupid he is. No. no. Chivalry is not no. dead, Jay. Oh, it's Harry's future son in law. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the other part Harry may like is that he can keep eyes on him. Good yeah, point. Good point. Good point. All right, we're going to ask you one more if you have a second uh, to no hang problem. on with us. What did you think about Harry's conversation? He's talking to a lot of different people in this episode. What do you think about his conversation with the chief when he confronts him with the pictures and the missing yeah. picture and his I- extra copy? Well, I loved it. I think he thought he was going to rattle the chief and have some clutch pearls. Uh-huh. Um, I have to say throughout this season, Chief Irving has been kind of stern and questioning and very authoritative. And um, one thing I, I can say I learned thinking about those who deal with Harry have to learn how to be calm when Harry starts flying off the handle. You know, he just sat uh-huh. there and looked at him, right? Mm-hmm. And then he just said he was a good detective, and he just did more with his actions. So, and True. when he did, Harry ain't say nothing. Harry just stood there and looked. You know, mm-hmm. like it didn't. It, he, the chief didn't get rattled, but it was just very, very interesting. Like he think he gonna catch the chief out there, and the chief was like, you know, challenging Harry. Harry thought he yeah. was gonna challenge him, but he turned around and challenged Harry. Like, what you gonna do? You know. Yeah. So it was very interesting. I'm anticipating how that's going to fall out next season. But it just shows more and more that they have a, a history, a longer history than we initially thought it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, it did, it did highlight a lot of their history. And I think we've talked before, the three of us, how we'd like to see that go back even further and get even more um, background on that right. history together. But yeah, Harry made it very clear where he, he says he has a line that he doesn't cross. And you kind of feel like that's the the mic drop. But then the chief took it one step further when he shredded that photo. You know, yes. he kind of took the upper and, hand. And then questioned him. Like, yeah. and what you going to do? Like, yeah. so so that was just real interesting. And, 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 and he's running for mayor, you know. Although I don't think Harry will out him. Um mm-hmm. 
But it's just real, it's real interesting, you know, how that whole thing went. I didn't see, I didn't see that coming. I saw Harry trying to prove everything to him. And I'm thinking when last episode, when he called Harry about something and Harry said he had one more thing to tie up, I think he sensed Harry was trying to come for him. Um, But he didn't back down from Harry, which I think, that's important when you deal with Harry. You can't back down from him. You can't be scared true. of him. True, true. Yeah, yep, yep, I agree. Well, thanks for letting us surprise you. We're going to let you go and carry on here with each other. Okay, but, uh, I but this appreciate is fun. it. Well, we appreciate you so much, and we're going to be sharing your feedback here in a little while. So Okay. Thank you. Right. you. Take care thank of your 28-year-old you self, first. okay? Yeah. <laughs> What's you say, Jay? <laughs> I said, I said, take care of your 28-year-old self, all right? I will. I of course I, I will. I got to. I won't <laughs> tell a soul, I promise. All right. <laughs> Bye. Thank Bye. you. You're welcome. All right. Always always good stuff from At Sister Teacher. So let's talk about Harry's talk with Liz. She turns up at a shelter, and he goes to talk to her, and he wants to help her. She talks about how so many other people have tried to do the same thing he's doing. And is this the point where he she brings up, or was it earlier, where she says, I wish you had been around earlier? You know, when, when she it asked, was, okay. like, why weren't you around, yeah, why, then, or why, weren't, you why weren't you here? Yeah. Then, or yeah. So, so it's, it's a tough conversation because he so much wants to help her, and she's so much at the end of her rope. And it's just like, you know, it's just like almost in any relationship or anything, it's just really bad timing. So wh- how did you all feel about her walking out and not knowing what's going to happen? It, it's a shame because, I mean, she's going through so much and she obviously has a terrible addiction and she's, you know, you're on the bottom rung. There's yeah. nowhere else to go. Um, and while I've never been you know, that kind of low, I think when you get that low, I mean, I'm guessing like mm-hmm. nothing else really matters. And the worst part about it is I think internally she must know Bosch is at least a decent dude, even though, you know, maybe he's driving her crazy, but it's sad to me that yeah. she can't realize that this is the guy that could change things. Right. She doesn't know Harry like, like we know Harry. You right. know, like this right. this is the one you need right. to this, latch on to. This yeah. isn't like a guy looking for like that hero complex or something. You know, this is a right. guy that actually genuinely cares mm-hmm. and add in the mix of your daughter, like you don't know what that does to him. That's going to eat him up. Even he's nothing to do with it. Doesn't ever yeah. have to do it. It's going to eat him up knowing yeah. that Something should have, could have been done because he's been there with his mom. Mm-hmm. So, and she doesn't know that, so you can't really falter for it. It's just a shame that she can't find a way to lock on to that and chooses to walk away instead. Sad. Yeah. It is very sad. It's a tough scene. Anything from you on that, Pete? Well, I mean, obviously, it's everybody counts, so that's why... True. You know, Harry mm-hmm. cares. But um, I found myself, because I remember I said in the last podcast that after episode eight, I thought, like, what else could they possibly give us for this season? You know, that we need to end this cases, because these cases were almost, you know, pretty much done. Yeah. Now I'm looking at halfway through this episode, and now I'm trying to figure out why are we seeing this. We're not going to wrap this case up even close to it at the end of this episode, is what I'm thinking. So is this another 
future case for next next season? Is that what's happening here? Are they yeah. laying out the groundwork for next season since they already have the renewal? Like right. now we have something, we have something to talk about. We could have sure. predictions and theories and everything you want to have. This is great. Sure. Like, I was I was kind of hyped when you know, and I feel like this is going to be a big deal. This mm-hmm. is going to become Harry's big deal for season six, if you ask me. Yeah. But that's my opinion. It was and it's sad. It was sad. It was very sad. I mean. Mm-hmm. It was tough. It was tough to watch and listen to her talk because you kind of felt the moment, and it was another moment of Harry's having to act accordingly in the scene. So now we've yeah. seen already four different sides of him in this one episode alone, and yeah. we're not even halfway through with it. So, yeah. like I said, Titus okay. killed it. Congratulations for sure. All right, let's. Bosh, he's talking to all these different people this episode. He talks to Honey Chandler. They go for lunch or dinner to kind of celebrate, but Bosh isn't acting as celebratory as as honey is he still has concerns because he has confirmed with scott anderson he kind of tricked him into admitting that honey was his source for the article um that that you know almost got him killed so bosh is still really struggling from that and you know she makes some comments like well what if you had known would you have gone with it you know i mean sure being undercover he wouldn't want his picture you know, in there, obviously. But, um, but, but, but would he have used it as a strategy? Did anybody even know he was on the cover? He didn't tell nobody. He just made a last-minute decision while, yeah. this course he was go- while this case was going on. So yeah. if anything happened to Bosch in that moment, negative, it would have been on him and nobody else. So I don't oh. understand why he was so mad at Chandler for that move when he's the one who disappeared on everybody, including his lawyer during a, a pretty important case. So well, and I don't I know. Think- I think that's what she's trying to say that she's trying to point out. Had you known, you know, isn't this the kind of strategy you would use? And if you look at the books and some history, Bosch has done some things like this, you know, with the media to try to utilize them to either get some information or expose something. So she kind of calls him out on it. Yes, it it ended up being a very dangerous situation, but she kind of calls him out on the types of, you know, links he would possibly go to. He also points out that that, you know, I believe in this conversation how nerve-wracking it was to find out that Terry Spencer wasn't really there to testify. That's, you know, that, yeah. that being a gamble. But, um, yeah, but that she – and she she does talk about how she can't work on a case that he's involved in anymore now that, that she's represented him. That was the most so, important part of yeah, the scene, I feel. That was a, that was a big important Why do you think that chose her? Hello, brilliant move. Brilliant, brilliant move. <laughs> Speaks of Bosch. But then, you know, Maddie is her source. Now she's saying, uh, which she hasn't revealed to, to Bosch, even though, you know, he ends up knowing um, that maybe she could work with Maddie down the road. You know, so it's kind of dropping a little seed there. Like, hmm, what if, you know, they ended up working together at some point, so... All righty, let's talk about Pierce and Vega. So they think that, it, like we said, they think that this could be tied to the RHD case, uh, serial case, and they reach out to RHD. They don't get the response that they were expecting. First of all, RHD kind of downplays it and says, nah, I, don't, I don't think that's related, but, but why don't you go ahead and give us your, your murder book and we'll we'll take a look at it. We'll just hand it over to us, and we'll go from there. Not what they wanted, not what they expected. And Vega, she's not going to stand for it. She has some choice words and says, nope, 
how we'll solve our case and their case. What did you think of that? Would you like know. that move from her? I, I, you know, for real, it's a complicated situation when you've got a all this like interdepartmental nonsense. Uh-huh. But she is, she is no nonsense. You know, we yeah. knew new yeah. partner coming in, and we knew she was ranked higher than our man, and whatever. And there's been some back and forth, and we've we've seen a lot of good moves. But she's really, I think you just have to be impressed, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. I think so. And and I, I particularly enjoy, enjoyed um this actually happens after the retirement party that we're gonna talk about and you know, Billets asked, Is she still hung over? Like she's surprised by her sort of outburst or whatever or her reaction and Pierce just kinda of shakes his head. He's like, No, nah, she's pretty much always this way. I thought <laughs> right. that was really funny. Right. Yeah, that was and and true. Right. Because that's so that's so Pierce too, like he always accommodates his partners. Like he's going to do what he needs to do, but he kind of works around them and he lets them be their own person. He let Jimmy be his person. And, you know, so it, it's just so funny. I thought when he said that, but I say she can be that way if she wants, but he should get his merch back. I mean, fair is fair. You know, Hey, I agree. Save the com. 51%. So let's jump back to that retirement party we were talking about. That was kind of fun, seeing all the detectives together, off-duty, celebrating, just lighter moments, you know, seeing uh, Beryl's three of his ex-wives there, and he's trying to, he's trying to match make with them, with, with Harry's old partner oh, from the Borders man. case. Like, hey, if, they, if she gets, you know, right. she likes him and they marry, right. then I don't have to pay that alimony. It's just hysterical, but... He pulled one over on everybody. He got himself a cool party, got a cool smart watch, and then he tells everybody, but wait, it comes out, he's not retiring. He's going into the drop program. So the the deferred retirement option plan. So, and, and I mean, even, even Crate was surprised by it. And it turns out that Mank, when he had that talk with him, it must have really... When they when they went out for a drink in another episode, it must have really sunk in that he's going to have to come up with some an income stream, you know, right. beyond his retirement to pay all this alimony. So he decides to hang around a little bit more. So I think we have Mank to to thank for keeping Barrel around. But I was pleased with the news, but I really thought, dang, this is the end of an era. You know, I really at that point having the party, I thought he really was retiring. What a sneaky move. What a sneaky move. So they got me. They got me. What about you? Were you surprised? Didn't didn't he say to him that if you didn't want to be my partner anymore, you should have just told me? Yeah, it was a little... So so if there's there's a drop, if he's in drop, does that mean that the the drop plan, he's not allowed to keep his same partner? No, no, he can't. I I think... I perceived it as Crate's feelings were just kind of hurt. Like, Correct. why wouldn't you have told me this? Why did I find this out at this party? And why do you think you're going to keep – I think he was – his feathers were just ruffled a little bit. And, and uh, But then Beryl refers to him as his partner, Correct. you know, as he walks okay. away. So they, they will still be partners. I, I don't know of any rule like that. Wow. I think it was more of an emotional response. 
how great was the beginning scene when he first walked in and um, Harry's talking to Jay Edgar and he's like, and Jager's like, don't ever do this to me. And Harry just laughs and he's like, I can't <laughs> promise that. I can't yeah, make those kind yeah, of promises. Yeah. I was yeah. like, wow, like that's just like you could tell. Because you never see Bosch like that around anybody. Just, you know, right. loose, relaxed. And the way he was able to talk to people in, in the at the party, I was like, 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 we never see Bosch like that, but other people do. So it's important. Well, let's just say it's a good thing that Bosch was able to loosen up and relax a little bit at that party. Because when he went home, yeah, he shouldn't have went home early. You should have stayed at the party. Really tense. Yeah, <laughs> he does. He leaves early, goes home. Jay Edgar and Jimmy are sitting there at the bar chatting, and then I guess Jay Edgar, I think, gets a call from yep. Char- Charlie Hoven saying Hoven. we think Wash is in L.A. You know, they've seen the the plane there, and they're going to meet him at the airport. And and then does Bosch get the call too? From Hoven or from Jay Edgar? From Jay Edgar. Yeah, it's from Okay, Jay he's getting Edgar. ready to walk Coltrane. He's named the dog Coltrane. And um, they're getting ready to go for a walk. And he gets the call and he's sorry, Coltrane, you know, they're not going to go for a walk. And, um, you know, he's going to go check it out. And then Hoven calls Jay Edgar again and says it looks like they, they haven't been here in a long time. And he and Jimmy, like, all they have to do is really look at each other and, like, oh, no, they're going for Bosch. Right. And so they head straight to his house. Meanwhile, Wash and the sheriff and Vardy are already at Bosch's house watching, and they're starting to come down the stairs. And uh, uh, Coltrane hears something. They go in the storage area in the basement and hide and um, arm, open the safe, and uh, Harry arms himself. Uh, the, the Puts on a bulletproof uh, vest. Yeah. Shotgun. Um, yeah. 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 Acts very swiftly. And uh, who wants to, to talk about sort of the choreography of that scene from there? Well, I just want to say one thing before Jay takes over. This was a terrible plan by a really smart guy. Oh, Walsh, your, your face? Yeah, who goes to a detective's house to attack about Like, it's like, you know, you don't, you don't go into, you know, turf and a field that's not yours you don't know that you don't know the ins and outs. I mean, Harry abused them this whole this whole the whole scene. Harry just maneuvered around them, knowing the the area and the terrain, and which we love, yeah. Just, but it's a horrible plan by yeah. Walsh. He's supposed to be so smart, and he was yeah. involved in so much, and you know, averted so much, you know, disaster over the course of his life, and now he's gonna just oh, we're just gonna go and um sweep Bosch under the rug. Come on, man, yeah. Do your homework. What are you thinking? Disappointed, disappointed in Walsh but I'm happy for Boss. It was an awesome scene. Mm-hmm. Do you want to walk us through it a little bit, Jay? The whole thing was fantastic. Uh-huh. From them coming over the fence to the dog alerting heart, um, uh, Bosch. Yep. Um, and then him protecting the dog, moving the dog, both of them going into the basement, putting on the bulletproof vest, getting himself armed, waiting for the prime time to take the shot up the stairs, sneaking out the back to take out another guy, coming back around to take out another guy, and then the final confrontation with Walsh as he's trying to get the heck out of there while Jay Edgar and Robertson have arrived, and then that tense moment where they're both staring at each other and Walsh knows one way or another this is going down, Bosch doesn't hesitate, knocks him right out, bang, it's done. Just... 
I'm not even sure, honestly, how long that scene was, but I felt like it was an hour of just <laughs> intense, like, bang, 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 bang. And Harry, calm, cool, collected, just... Absolutely. Just did everything the right way. Like, the training kicked in, his instincts kicked in, and then... Maybe my favorite part, because I feel like I might be the... I mean, I don't know, because I've never been shot at by people, and I've never had to shoot three people. Yeah. But then afterwards, like, the dog's gone. Yeah. He's like, the where's dog my dog? Gone. My dog ran off. Yeah. And just... Uh-huh. I mean, the whole thing... It doesn't even matter if this isn't your favorite show. You have to admit, <laughs> the whole sequence of events was just... It was riveting, right? Mm-hmm. Am I oh, wrong? Oh, very much. No, you're absolutely right. Because you kind of almost, I probably kind of held my breath through it the first time I watched it, you know, because it was so intense. It was, yeah, it was just a really powerful sequence. And even with Coltrane running out the door when Harry told him not to, but it's like Coltrane was smart enough to to know I need to get out here and uh, divert this guy or just, you know, surprise this guy. And so he was able to... It gave Harry a chance to get out. I want to clear this up real quick for everybody listening. Coltrane is the MVP of this episode, okay? It's not just a dog. It was the MVP. Yeah. All right? Yeah, I'll go That's with that. all I'm going to say. Yes, Coltrane, MVP. Good stuff. So, yeah, Bosch comes out victorious, but he doesn't know where his dog is. He starts to look. He gets a call from Maddie. She's made it back to college and they talk a little bit and she's a little more chipper you know a little bit it's a little bit more lighter tone this time and she says she'll come and help put up flyers next time she comes home if the dog still hasn't returned um and so you they talk and you get the idea that she's going to come home a lot earlier than she originally suggested so right. um mm-hmm. yeah but still he's pushing for like dinner with her and she's like dad you know she's still pushing back you know so those protective measures, I suppose. Uh, then we see Harry pulling out the records related to Daisy's murder, Liz Clayton's daughter, and talk about the, the theme that you've been going with, Pete, and with Titus displaying all this emotion. That was a particularly moving and gripping scene because he's looking at this stuff that he's seen, you know, hundreds, thousands of times, you know, murder victims. But you can tell that it never gets old. You know, it, 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 it right. he still feels every right. single time he feels. And then probably especially with this connection to Liz and wanting to help her, he can look at it, he can deal with it, he can fight for the victim, but you see that he still really feels for them. Yeah. And that was really evident in that scene. Um, I thought that was really powerful. And just in case it didn't make you start crying while he was looking at those pictures, yeah. the dog comes home yes. and, just, and the tears <laughs> yes. come out and it's over. Yes. If, yeah, if you thought you were going to hold him back, no, it's not going to happen. Because then we it pans back and we see um, Coltrane from behind and he kind of just watches and then he, he runs up to the door and Harry lets him in and, you know, He's home, and that's it. Roll the credit. So great sense of relief when when Coltrane came home. And like Titus talked about in our interview, not just because, oh, the dog's okay. That that was important, but it's that 
he was back home with Harry, that they, they confirmed that they were going to be, you know, family. You know, right. he, Coltrane is now part of the family. So. Right. And part of the, the whole Bosch fandom family. Definitely popular with the fans. That was the big, big finale. On to season six. What did we miss? Anything that we, we want to hit up? I don't think so. All right, let's do some interrogation. Don't all go at once. Oh, well, what's, what you, norm, you normally choose us and yeah, make us you, go first. So we, we didn't. We didn't want to jump the gun. We didn't want to jump the gun. And let's say, well, let's do a, a special edition of the interrogation room. You can ask a question about this episode or anything from the entire season. It can be a, a question for the season or a question from the last episode. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out a question there. I'm going to throw out a question. We saw the meeting with Chandler and Bosch, and um, I have my own feelings about Chandler, but my question to you guys is, because it is going to affect the relationship going forward. You know, she can't take certain cases. He may use her again. You know, any number of things. Mm-hmm. Was she, how much of all this really was for Bosch, or how much was it really for her? How much is it really for her? Because I mentioned earlier how, like, it was kind of smart that he hired her, knowing Mm -hmm. that they now really couldn't compete in court going forward. Mm -hmm. And she could have declined the case, knowing that, because she's a smart cookie. But it was just too delicious, Jay. Well, I mean, that is true. Uh, so my question is how much of this really was to work for Bosch and see if she could get it done or how much really was this for her? Hmm. Because this isn't the end. Yeah. Well, it definitely was a high profile case. I mean, the work that she did ended up getting a public apology from the district attorney's office, you know, so I mean, she tends to be drawn to those high profile cases. So it certainly put another feather in her cap. Um, I I kind of think that mostly it was because she's just very intrigued by Harry. You know, they were have been kind of nemesis nemeses. Right. I said um, but started working together on the same side in season four, and I think she's just very intrigued by him as he is with her, and so it was just too tempting to not do it. Um, right. But. With that said, I think she took full advantage of that opportunity to work okay. with him and, you know, make herself look good, too. Pete! From the street. All right. This is this is simple, people. Bosch needed <laughs> a really good lawyer to get out of the case that he knew was BS. She needed a really delicious case that she knew <laughs> that she could get a high profile. And at the end of the day, they both don't have to deal with one of the biggest pain in the butts that they have to deal with on the other side of the courtroom. So it's true for both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Win-win. There you go. All right. right, Can I ask a follow-up question then? Since you guys both went that way, will we see Ryan Hurst next season? What do you think? I hope so, and I think so. All right. Good answer. Good answer. What do you think, Pete? What do you think? Yes. Because I think we've heard that that Honey's coming back. So. Now that we've now that he's we know he's part of her well, um, honey's a know, operation. She is a fixture in yeah. the whole box, box. Oh yeah, yeah. So. But now that we know he's part of her operation, I don't think we can let him go. They they can't they can't bring him in and then take him away from us. No. All right, good. No. Oh yeah, he's a cool dude. He's a cool yeah. dude. And I am talking to Ryan Hurst next week. 
Yeah. So, Bosch listeners, if you have a specific question you'd like me to ask Ryan Hurst about the season, my email is j j a y at so many shows dot com. Shoot me an email. I might yep. just ask your question. And might I point out that you're going to be doing a panel with him at a Walking Dead themed convention because he is on the Walking Dead Correct. as well. But that would be fantastic if you can get some Bosch questions. Yeah, no, any questions go. So uh, I mean, I want I want to throw one out there. I mean, Chris Browning alluded to it a little bit, but I'd like to get a little more intel about how he managed that schedule last summer, going back and forth because The Walking Dead films in the summer, Bosch films in the summer. I that's 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 on my list because he is a busy dude and he's a cool dude. So I want to know. All right, Pete, do you have an interrogation room question? Yeah, I have a good question. A nice episode 10 question. Okay. I said early in the episode that Maddie was running scared. That's why uh-huh. she was in a rush to go. Then, Bosch talks to Tom. Says, call Maddie. So we assume Tom called Maddie. All of a sudden, later on in the episode, Maddie's calling Bosch saying, I'm coming home next Friday. Or I'm coming home this week. Yeah. Now, my question is, did Tom call and is she coming home to see Tom and her dad? Because now she knows that he didn't drop the dime on her. Tom didn't. So she's in the clear, so now she ran away, she's clear, she can come back now, and is this all, is this what happened? Is this the story? Did I get this right? Oh, that's a good question. I didn't think about if he had maybe already called her. Dun, dun, dun. I I think you're on to something, Pete. I'm I'm in agreement. Jay? I have no comment. Jay, (laughs) say what you think, not what you want. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I have no comment. Okay. All right. All right. I'll let the chips fall where they may, and I'll be back for next season. Okay. And if anybody listening knows Mason Die, let him know. We want to have a special interview with him, and we can do a special episode of the podcast about Tom. We need to talk to him. All right. My question for you guys. Are Marcos and Arius, are they going to be as involved in next season like if we do you know i i would assume that we're going forward with this whole thing that jay edgar's looking into with jacques avril but is it going to shift more to jacques avril and the the history with the death of jay edgar's uncle and the bigger picture are we still going to see them and this whole idea of dirty cops and uh getting the guns from evidence into circulation and stuff is it what do you think that is a Tough question. Uh-huh. That is a super tough question. And uh, I'm going to tell you what I hope to see. I'm okay. going to tell you what I hope to see. And I don't know if we will or not. But I hope to see that story continue because I just, A, I like Jamie Hector as an actor. Sure. B, I really love the J. Edgar character. He's just. He's just a good dude. Yep. That I would like to see that confrontation where he takes them down. Oh, you know, yeah. We, yeah. we always see Bosch kind of triumph, and we've seen a lot of ups and downs with Jay Egger, but I think it would be really cool if somehow it was intertwined mm-hmm. that Jay Edgar was to take maybe not the whole thing down, mm-hmm. but those two down. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see full, that. Come full circle, yeah. yeah. I, I would like that too. Alright, Pete, what do you think? I think we have three cases for season six. 
and I'm very hyped because I feel like Jagger's going to be on his own one to start. Bosch has his own, and Pierce and Vega have their own. So we're going to get more mm-hmm. screen time with Pierce and Vega, I feel, also. But I think that it, it's absolutely Marco Scenarius. They wouldn't have been featured so much in this in this season. Okay. Okay. And the vibe and the mm-hmm. position they put them in and the situation they put them in to not be a stepping stone to, to the main culprit. Yeah, six, I that, feel. So, that last conversation they had with those threats of looking over your shoulder and all that, yeah. yeah. You'll okay. see them go okay. down this season, season six. All right, person of interest. And might I add, person or animal of interest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pete, you want to go first? As much as I love a good coal train, I'm going to go with my man Jay Edgar for episode 10. I feel okay. like he, I don't know. I'm just most, like I said, we have three cases, and mm-hmm. me personally, I'm most excited for the Gary Wise case and where this is going. Mm-hmm. I've been following this the whole season, and mm-hmm. I, I'm ready for Jagger to, to, like everybody said, for him to make his big move and do his cool stuff because I, I want some Jagger, so let's do it. Yeah. It's very personal for him, so it's different. Yep. Yes. Like, yes. I feel like this is more like, yeah, sure. let's go. Mm-hmm. I like it. All right, I'm going to go with... Christina Vega, I think mm-hmm. she really solidified her stance and kind of who she is in this episode when she's not going to take take it from RHD. Um, she kind of we've learned, you know, even more who she is and what she stands for, and I think that makes her a very, very interesting character. And I, you know, I want to see a lot more of her and the dynamic of her working with someone like Pierce. Um, I just want to see that developed further. And that's quite a case that they have on their hands. So I think she is ready for the job, and I want to see what she does with it. I like that. Who do you not pick? I mean, is there somebody on the list you don't pick? I I mean, really, you just could pick anyone. I, uh, I want to pick Chief Irving, though, because... The big bad. (laughs) Because... You know, it's not even just this episode. We've just watched him this whole time. And he's, right or wrong, he's just so in control. And he's so powerful. And he's so intimidating. Uh, Like, and maybe this is weird for me to say this, but that that whole scene in the office, that was like his... Like his own Denzel mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was, he was sexy. He was <laughs> suave. Mm-hmm. He was tough. Mm-hmm. He was no nonsense. The full then package. I, he just really, really was. And I mean, as much as it was not quite the positive scene, like yeah. wow, like wow. And then now running for mayor and. You know, his conversation with Billets. Like, we don't even really know what this guy is going to do next. We don't really know what he's capable of except everything. Yeah. <laughs> and Lance Reddick just, he just pulls it off so well. Like, man, I'm, I, I want to be Lance Reddick after um, this episode. Does that, yeah. does that make sense? Oh, I mean... He's as suave and you know, and powerful as they can. Yeah, I like him so much. The, the big bad tough chief and the big bad actor. Like I just, 
I just love the dude. Let's and just agree I, on one thing. Let's just yeah. agree on one thing. If they yeah. make him the bad guy in the future for any boss seasons, just say it happens. Yeah. He would be the best bad guy of any show ever, possibly. It's up there already. We didn't even see what he can do yet. So oh, I, I agree. There. He'd make a fantastic bad guy. He makes a fantastic hero. I mean, he can do it all. Yeah. I just, I really, I and I really enjoyed him this episode because you're just like, how do you not watch him in awe? Like, really? I didn't expect him to get up and and shred that document and be like, I didn't either. What are you talking about, dude? I want yeah. to get out of my office what? because about we're done what? here, sucker. Yeah, yeah like, about whoa. What? <laughs> Just, man, man. And, you know, you got to give it to the writers because they put that all together. And Michael Connolly for creating this character. But Lance Reddick just pulling it off. Like, I'm sorry. I just can't say enough about it. I just can't. I'm with you. I think it's worth mentioning a little bit of evidence, even though we're at the end of the season. We have, We do have cases set up. Potentially, it looks like for next season. So we do have the, the crosses being carved uh, into the hands. Uh, we know that the Times is reporting on those um, crime statistic anomalies. Uh, we've talked more about the guns from that drug bust turning up, you know, out there. Of course, Bosch is looking through Daisy's files. So I mean, there, there's a lot of clues and and threads outstanding uh, to to carry us over. I believe. Anything else that you guys thought of? I don't think so. All right. Well, we got some some feedback for a tip line from Dan Carroll on Twitter. And I just want to point out that Dan is super cool and sent me some really awesome recipes this week. And I am going to be trying out some new quiche recipes from Dan. Thank you very much, Dan. He had mentioned quiche in one of his tweets, and I agreed with his tweet, and I was like, oh, and I love a good quiche. And so he offered to send me some recipes, and apparently he, I guess maybe he volunteers now, as it, but has worked with some mock trial, and he would have this cool breakfast for them every Saturday morning before they practice. And oh. he has he has sort of doctored and created different and, and like adapted these recipes for breakfast and come up with, you know, just some some things of his own, and made them so you can make them really quick. And I love that. You can make something good really quick. So there you go. But he wanted to say that one, as he has posted many times, best final scene ever. Yeah. He had those words. He said, number two, also, Coltrane is everybody's new favorite dog. I like this guy. And then three, this is interesting, Watch Harry as he begins to review Daisy's file and compare it to the scene where Maddie reviews the report. Um, I guess he's talking about the the, vic- the sexual assault victim that she was working on that case when she's reviewing that file. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He points out, same intensity and focus. Hard to imagine that it was not intentional. I thought that was a good, a good, uh, yeah. a good observation. Because if you do, if you watch each of them flipping through those files, their, their respective files, um, there is very much a look of intensity on their face, a look of you know, empathy, um, very some, a lot of similarities. So thanks, Dan. And Dan, uh, well, he says he'll be listening to the podcast tomorrow because he has a retirement party tonight. Yeah, I saw that, man. Yeah. Uh, congratulations. congratulations. That's uh, that's a big deal. That's a big. I, deal. I hope it's as good as Barrel's retirement party. That looks fun. So. Yeah, I hope you get in, watch a bunch of drinks. Hope your ex-wives, if you have some, don't show up. <laughs> <laughs> Follow your star, but wherever you go, don't go by your car. Oh, right. <laughs> don't go home early. 
Yeah, don't leave early, whatever. Yeah. Go home with your friends. <laughs> All right, do you have some feedback on your end, Jay? Uh, no, I don't have any feedback. What are you talking about? I do have, I do have some feedback. I do have some feedback. <laughs> Since the teacher who we talked to earlier, mm-hmm. um, she said, good morning, because she wrote it in the morning. And then I also want to point out her first sentence. It was great meeting Jay. I well, just want to throw yeah. that out there. Of course you want to throw that out. You just make it up in the fake news? From <laughs> from my twenty eight year old sister teacher. Um, uh, let's start with Harry and Chief Irving. It seems Harry thought he was going to move the chief, but Chief Irving showed him he's not swayed at all by Harry. He stated that Harry is a good detective, even though he challenged him when he destroyed the evidence. Harry just stood there. This sets the tone for an interesting dynamic next season. I still don't think Harry will out him, and it is now clear he cannot. Move the chief. Uh, Harry killed all three of the bad guys that came to his house and had a clue what they were getting themselves into. Coltrane helped to save the day. When Jerry asked Harry if he was okay, he was more concerned about the dog. Uh, those men and what happened was no longer an issue, but his buddy left. Um, and, of course, she was so happy to see him at the end. Uh, Beryl delaying his retirement was a real twist of events. He had a party and everything. Crate was not happy at all. I wonder how this will affect what's going to happen next season. He said, of course, this is the last one for now, and it was great connecting with all of us. So, uh, always hear from uh, Sister Teacher. Thank you very much for that. All right. Do you got some uh, trivia for us, guys? Uh, I do. Uh, Our guy, Joseph, came through again, too. All right. Um, God, he's got a whole bunch on here. Let me see. Let me choose some here. I'll choose the hardest ones. I'm going to choose two or three. Mm -mm -mm. How about, I didn't even realize that one either. Holy smokes. I would have failed these so badly. On Chief Irving's desk, when they were conversing, what color is the highlighter? Orange. Light green. And you... Both fail. You both fail. Yellow. It was apparently blue. It was apparently oh, man, blue. I didn't even get it the second time. <laughs> yeah, it was apparently blue. Um, then when I think it's too easy. Uh, that no, maybe a, it's not that uh, easy. Oh, now, no one's going to know this one. So say it. All right, I'll give you this one. This one has two answers to it. If you get either of them, I'll let, I'll give you the win. If you get both of them, you are the boss champion of the world, Okay. Uh, when Vega, Tracy raising her hand like, oh, that's me. Uh, when Vega is searching the apartment, what is on the top shelf next to the microwave in the apartment kitchen? Two items. Give me either of them. You can have the question. Give me both. You're the Bosch champion of the world. Towels. Pete, what you got? A toaster. And you both suck. Uh, a pepper grinder and a box cheese grater. The cheese grater looks like a toaster. Uh, <laughs> you're, definitely, you're definitely not. Man, I remember this scene so well because I actually wanted to talk about it tonight, and I don't remember this. Boy. Well, I'm going to make it a two-part question. What did Chief Irving have in his hand when he visited his son's gravesite? All right, very good. See, I did not remember him having anything in his hand. He did have a cup of coffee. The question that came from Joseph, 
um, because he's super good at picking out the details. Uh, what's written on the coffee cup, Pete? World's greatest chief. <laughs> uh, no, Groundworks Coffee. Groundworks. Which is a, yeah, is a is a coffee shop that they go to in the episodes. Um, all right, I'm gonna give you one more. What's the flavor of the cake at the retirement party? I didn't even remember there was a cake. I was thinking. Did they I was, mention this? I. Uh, what it, color was it? No, dude knows exactly what kind of cake this was. So red it velvet. Must, it must have been shown at some point. Red velvet cream. Chocolate with white icing. Oh my goodness, Joe! Oh, he must have showed the white face in, and then when they cut it, because they yeah. cut the place. Yeah. So I'm uh I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that Joseph is the Bosch champion of the world tonight. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. yeah I think so. <laughs> wow. I That's actually have one question. A... One question. I saved it. It's an easy question. If you guys don't know this, I'm ashamed of you. God, I haven't watched this episode in a week, Pete. Come on. You you should know this. You should know this for forever. And if you don't know this, you will know this forever. On the Hollywood homicide sign in the office, what is their logo? What is their motto? What does it say? Our day begins when yours ends. Your day ends, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I am not. I am not ashamed of you guys. All right, so now now Joseph has been replaced, and Tracy and I are the boss champions. <laughs> one question. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, I want to remind everyone that uh, you can find all, all the podcast episodes on somanyshows.com. You can find the, the link there directly to play, or out on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Uh, leave us a review somewhere or subscribe at so many shows.com. Let us know how we're doing, and we really appreciate you listening. That's and um, we'll be coming back with some special episodes, but we definitely know we'll be coming back with the the Bosch Awards, the Boshing Awards. Uh, Everybody Counts Commendations. We haven't really nailed down the name, but we did them last year with Season 4, and we're going to do them again with Season 5. Yeah. So feel free to email us, uh, Bosch at so many shows or Jay at so many shows um, with any categories you think might be good because um, we're going to start putting together a poll for the fans to vote on and uh, get those get those winners and get those announced. So, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun last year it and it'll be good stuff. So now you get to enjoy an interview with Sergeant John Mankiewicz actor, Scott Clace. Great interview. Enjoy, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you. Hey there. My name is Scott Clace, and I play Sergeant John Mankiewicz on the Amazon show Bosch. And you are listening to the Everybody Counts podcast with Tracy and Jay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Again, I'm Tracy and Jay, my co-host is here with me. We are the Everybody Counts Podcast. We just talk about all things Bosch on Amazon. Sometimes we get into the books a little bit um, or other special topics, but we're very much devoted uh, to the show. And, of course, the name comes from Harry's Creed, Everybody Counts, or Nobody Counts, because we feel like everybody's opinion counts on the podcast. Right. And we and right. we do not always agree. Jay, I'm sure, will confirm that. We, we do not always 
on uh, on things that, that we discuss because we have different takes on it. But before sure. we get into the uh, the main question, I I just wanted to to point out that I very much have seen you as kind of the glue that keeps the precinct together. But there are times that even glue cannot hold things together. Such as say a glass window in season yes. one. <laughs> Maybe uh, yes, pounds. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> so just starting off, I was wondering if you could give us any sort of behind the scenes tidbits about how that scene was filmed, or anything from your experience that you might want to share with the fans about it. Sure, as you guys probably know, and probably most of the people listening, that was the I think the last episode, our first season. Mm-hmm. And Harry and Pounds, they just were kind of going at it the whole first season. And so there was that scene where you weren't quite sure who pushed who first. And Harry mm-hmm. came through the glass window, basically on the top of my desk. Yes. <laughs> um, at, at shooting it, though, I have to tell you, it was, it was kind of interesting because that's kind of what I call little boy stuff. You know, okay. like when you get to do stuff like that, like there was yeah, a, yeah. years ago, like, my gosh, I'm going back a long time. I, I did an episode of 24 where mm-hmm. I got killed and I, I, I threw like a one of those cylinders with sand in them, ashtrays that you used to see in like a hotel lobby, through yeah. a glass window because we were like oh. being held because okay. we were supposedly been exposed to some virus or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got shot three times in the back and that that's kind of where that term comes from because that was like, you know, little boy stuff, stuff you dream about yeah, doing yeah. when you're when you want to become an actor. I mean, the way they shot that, though, because we really only had one take, I think, that where we can actually break the glass. Okay. I don't know that we had a spare, but yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. And we, <laughs> we were we were playing around with my reaction. We weren't quite sure what my reaction would be. So we, we kind of played okay. around with it before we actually threw him through the glass. Because we didn't uh-huh. want to have him go through the glass, and then my reaction would be something there like, you know what, Scott, that just wasn't very good. <laughs> so it, it was, it was that kind of thing, and, and we could actually, I believe, we could remove the wall, that wall that goes up from my office to the hallway. They sometimes take portions of that away so okay. they can put the camera there. Mm-hmm. Although I'm not giving away too many secrets. Is, does that answer the question? Yeah, right yeah, I just, yeah, I was just curious a little bit about the, you just sort of behind the scenes. So that, that's, that's yeah. really interesting. And we had a stunt guy. I know we had a stunt okay. guy for uh-huh. Mark, but yeah. It, yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, that was a pretty intense moment though. I have to say that was, oh, and sure. I thought it looked on the day, you know, I uh-huh. thought it looked fantastic. Yeah. So I cannot, well, you know, yeah. I, it played and, very well on screen and is certainly a, one of the most iconic moments you know from the books and then now on the show i mean everyone remembers that so i just remember when we when we came back Uh for season two i think pound's name came up at some point like in the first or second episode and we're like no he's gone he's been moved to art theft you know he's like completely gone from everything yeah yeah, my husband was rewatching with me uh, recently, and he was like, well, where did that guy go? I'm like, he's gone. <laughs> he's gone, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think Mank likes the best about his job? I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit, that mm-hmm. um, that he's kind of the glue. Okay. That he's, mm-hmm. he's kind of got, he kind of knows what's going on from top to bottom inside that entire precinct. When mm-hmm. I was first offered the role, I, I honestly, I really had not heard the term watch commander. Okay. And I, I, I just kind of thought it was like those guys you see in the old NYPD Blue episodes that are sitting on 
at that big mm-hmm. desk when people walk in and they're pointing yeah. them up the stairs and that kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> and so I ended up, I, I talked to Eric Overmeyer, the guy, our executive producer and yeah. showrunner, and he set up um, a thing where I went to Hollywood Police Station and was able to hang out with the watch commanders for a couple of days. Oh, and okay, so cool. that, that, that way I was able to kind of see, but yeah, I think the thing that Mank likes the best about it is just that he kind of knows what's going on and people come to him, you mm-hmm. know, they have a problem or, and you know, I think Mank always thinks that he knows how to fix certain things. Maybe not at like Chief Irving's level, obviously, but within the precinct with Harry and Crate and Barrel and, you know, mm-hmm. and Amy's been relying on me a lot these last couple of seasons, yes. which has been kind of good. Mhm, mhm. Very true. All right, Jay. Now, speaking of that, speaking of that, who, who is Mike probably closer to, Bosch or Billet? Boy, that's a good question. I gotta say, if you'd asked me after season one, I definitely would have said Harry. It was interesting. Like season one, I think every single one of my scenes was with Harry or Titus. Um, mm-hmm. Season two, I kind of, I kind of went with Jerry for a while. Seasons two and three, yeah. and yeah. then the last couple of seasons, I've been mainly with Amy, unless I went out into the bullpen to to talk to the detectives as a whole. You know, that's the sure. other thing about a watch commander that I had no idea. He's kind of like above all the detectives. Like, oh wow, he, okay. he, he yeah, I did not know that. He um, mm-hmm. he kind of, well, you know what? I better not say too much because I'm afraid I, I I'll sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. But it's my <laughs> understanding that yeah, that Mank kind of um, oversees the detectives and the patrol officers, and okay. then Amy, o- Amy oversees me, and Chief Irving oversees Amy kind of a thing. Okay, okay, very good. That's, that's very helpful, because we get into some of that discussion on the podcast sometimes. We're not always very sure of the, uh, <laughs> the specificities of each role and where they are in the, the chain of command. It's a lot of people, and it's sometimes it's hard to tell, so I like hearing that kind of stuff. Well, you, you kind of talked about this um, in that question. You know, sometimes it seems like you're the smartest guy in the room, like you're doling out sage <laughs> advice and keeping the peace with people. But it does seem like you always, your character always comes to it from a delicate position, like not overbearing, kind of like even when uh, Mank goes up to Grace and he's like, yeah, I've been working a double shift, and he's just kind of hanging there, and she's like, what are you really here for, you know? Right, right. Where does that stem from? Is that something you kind of developed, or is that in the writing? You know what? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, it's definitely there in the writing a lot. I I mean, we really, and I know all actors probably say this, but we just really have great writers on our show. You know, the source material, first of all, is, you know, top notch, Michael Conley's books. Mm-hmm. And then, and, and then what those guys do with it is just, you know, we're just very lucky. You know, I learned a long time ago, you know, I came up in the theater mm-hmm. for the most okay. part, like in the first 10 years of my acting career. And I had, I had a teacher tell me one time, an acting uh, coach say, you know what your job is, Scott? Your job is to honor the writer. That is your job. Hmm, and okay. I, I always kind of thought that that just made sense to me at the time. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, you know what? I can do that because mm-hmm. I find that out here sometimes you run into a lot of actors and not on our show, but just in general that always kind of want to change the words a little bit, you know, make oh, it fit okay. that how they think it should be said better. And yeah. what they don't realize is that's totally like 
just disregarding the writer. The writer mm-hmm. wrote it a certain way because he heard it a certain way. And that's why mm-hmm. he's paid, you know. Mm-hmm. So our job is mm-hmm. to to say those words, you know, the way they're written, quite frankly. Now, mm-hmm. some people would say that I tend to try and add lib too much, but yeah, I'm kind of joking here. That's kind of a running joke on the set, like Eric. Oh, comes okay, down. good to know. If I'm doing a scene, you know, he'll say, you know, Scott, you're going to say the words as written. You know, you're not going to add a little <laughs> this, that, or the other thing on the end, right? <laughs> but it's all in good fun. And, yeah, but we we tend to uh, we tend to honor the writer on our show, I think, and awesome. and we do have some really good ones. But I hope that answers your question a little. Yeah, bit. no, that's very helpful. Mm-hmm. All right, here's a tough one for you. So let's talk about Powers for a second. We all know the kind of guy he is. We all know the kind of guy Hank is. If you were to give him your best piece of advice, and he actually was willing to listen, what would Mank give him? You know, it's interesting because we did have that that one scene together this season where I kind of got into him a little bit. You know, uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, just about like the things he was saying. And I, I guess if I the first thing I would tell him, if if at all possible, Powers, think before you speak. Mm-hmm. I, that would be rule number one. And mm-hmm. the second thing would be to, to just if you don't know or you're questioning something, ask somebody, ask somebody who knows and, and, and do what you think. And if they're not around. Do what you think they would do. Okay. Sage advice. Sure. advice. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Well, if I were at Hollywood Division, I would certainly want Mank in my corner. So, what are <laughs> a couple of the most important ways that I could earn Mank's respect? A couple of ways you could earn Mank's respect. Well, I would say it kind of goes back to a little bit of what I what I just said about powers. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, try and honor the uniform you know you're wearing that uniform and that actually means something you Mm -hmm. know if i could just kind of go off on a tangent here for a second one of the greatest things about doing this job for me has been my exposure to some of the men and women in uniform you know Mm -hmm. sometimes on the set uh it just like doing some some background work for us and i always try to talk to them but our consultants have just been our our first season was there was a guy named Officer Rick Jackson. He was a detective. I mean, he yeah. was a robbery mm-hmm. homicide. He was, I mean, this guy, and he's just the sagest. And, and maybe that goes to to where some of my mank stuff comes from. Okay. But, I mean, this guy is so kind, and he's become a. I don't, you know, I don't mind saying he's become a very good friend. I mean, we mm-hmm. talk on the phone, even though he's now up in the San Francisco yeah. area. And then when he left, we got you know Mitzi and Tim and. They're just, they're just great. I, mm-hmm. I ask them so many questions about so many different things because I never want to get it wrong. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like you, Tracy. Sometimes, like, I didn't know, like, how many stripes, like, what each stripe meant on my, on the side of my uniform. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. is that a, a, you know, a sergeant stripe or is that a, and so I always right. try to ask them questions. And okay. So that is, uh, but, it's just been such a blessing because I, I mean I just didn't really know that many police officers, and let's okay. be honest, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes in today's climate, they don't get the best you know representation in the media. They really mm-hmm. don't, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I, I just have to say the ones that I have met and been around, mm-hmm. they're just top door people. You know, they really are. That's great, that's great. That's very good to hear. All right, all right, Jay, what do you have next? So. 
your character definitely helps to provide some comic relief throughout the show. <laughs> and, and originally, I wanted to ask you, uh, are you naturally kind of as witty as he is? And I feel like you probably are. So I'm going to change my question a little bit to how much of you and Mank are similar? How much of you is really inside of Mank? Oh, I think a lot, actually. I really do. Oh. I mean, I think when I was younger, like when I first started in this business back in, um, well, we, my wife and I moved out here, I think in 96 or 97. We had just gotten married, and um, I, but I mainly did like a lot of half-hour shows. Like I mm -hmm. did, you know, some of the ones you might remember, like Third Rock from the Sun. Yep. And I think my third job out here, I was actually on the very last Seinfeld. Yes, um, you were the jailer. I was the jailer. <laughs> That's right. So we haven't, the app, yes, I, my, my character has not strayed far from there. Now I'm still a police <laughs> officer. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's funny because I, I felt maybe this is, you know, maybe everybody feels this way, but I felt like I was funnier when I was younger than I am now. Now I feel a little bit like, uh, you know, get off my lawn guy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I do, maybe that's just having a 15 year old and a 17 year old daughters, you know, but, um, I, I do feel like that, that, yes, I, and sometimes I, that's where I, if I get it. I'm joking when I say get in trouble, but sometimes I want to kind of make Mank more of a comedian than actually than, than is probably you know prudent, quite frankly. Okay. As, you know, okay. As a police officer, but yeah, I love playing the subtle humor. Yeah. Um, I really do, and, and I kind of you know when I I love being the guy in real life sometimes who just makes people laugh when they're not expecting it. You know, like just sure. a little quip, a little, you know, something under the radar, just a little aside kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And I feel mm -hmm. like Mank is good at that. I feel like he's good at that. Yeah. Kind of breaking well, the tension, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, we, we which really can, Which can be a management style, you know? True. Very true. Yeah. Yep. I, I That's very agree. nice for you to say, by the way, that you enjoy it. I, I did hear that, even though I was talking yes, over it. No, we, well, <laughs> it's, 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 we, we do. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so we talked about how Mank always seems to be on the pulse of the precinct. You know, he's entangled to some degree with all the cases. But as fans, we'd love to see his storyline expanded even further. What might be a good plot point that could showcase Mank in more depth? Hmm. Well, I mean, I, I could say I could maybe channel my inner, inner Gregory Scott Cummings and say he becomes a male gigolo. But I, <laughs> um, did he tell you he was good looking, by the way? I don't know if uh, a few times. Yeah. yeah, a few times. Mm -hmm. I know, yeah. just a few. Just a few. He's, a, he, he's a total cut up, that guy. I really love him. Great. Well, you know, it's funny. I know that there has been some talk about possibly him. I, I found out through, like, Mitzi, I think, that mm -hmm. sometimes when there's, like, a huge like something big happens in and around his the division like say a celebrity's kid gets is involved in a shooting that the watch commander oftentimes would actually go to the scene and Ooh. kind of watch over the scene until all the important players were in place okay now, there has yeah. i i noticed i i have heard some people talking about that but mm -hmm. um that would be something kind of fun for me because I sometimes sure. feel it would be fun to get out and, and amongst the people. And I have been out a couple of times. I, I got out some mm -hmm. this past year, actually. 
And um, mm-hmm. last season I was out when there was those um, those riots. Remember the riots from last year? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. We were on like rooftops and uh, right. But yeah, mm-hmm. you know what? Though I have to be honest, I've just been so lucky on this job. <laughs> it's been such a great. You know, it's can I can I just say one thing? When I was first offered this job, I went to my manager and I said, um, I, I don't know if you know this actor. I, I'm sure you probably do. His name's Titus Welliver. I said, but what do you know about him? Like, what, 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 what do you know about him? What, you know, what's his story? And she said, she was really honest. She goes, Scott, you know what? I don't really know a lot about him. She goes, okay. the only thing I, I do know about him is that he has the best reputation in Hollywood. Everybody mm-hmm. loves him. Yeah. And I was like, really? Okay. And and that has been true, period. Let me let me say that again. That has been true, but that has been yes. true of like everybody involved in the show. Wow. I mean, there are yeah. no. It's so weird. It's so weird to be involved in a show that has no egos. Like I never mm-hmm. feel like you have to walk on eggshells around anybody. From from Eric to Heinrich to Peter Jan, all the producers. They're, mm-hmm. they're so open and. And so as an actor, when you, when you take away all that, when you don't, when you take away the, the problem of having to worry about stuff like that and you can just focus mm-hmm. on the work and the people involved, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, it just, it runs itself a little bit now. I mean, we all just go there yeah. and do our work and we have a good time and then we go home and we're always really, really sad when it ends, you know? Yeah. I mean, look at, we'll look keep... at Creighton Bell. You know, he's, yep. he thought he was mm-hmm. going to retire and now he's coming back. Yeah. That was, that was nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so it's interesting because sometimes it feels kind of like Jay and I are doing our own investigation with these interviews and we ask these questions, and we end up getting so much of the the same sentiment. You know, everyone has you know commented how wonderful the cast is and working together and the professionalism and all that. So I, I feel like Jay, we're doing a good job with our investigation. We're getting good solid <laughs> intel. Don't you think, Jay? I think so too. I think when they all retire, we can take over. I think we yes, can take right. <laughs> I was just going to say that, Jay. That was just on the tip of my tongue, Jay. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, but, but honestly, when you have, you know, like when numbers one, I think we only have like five series regular on, on the show. Like, yeah. Okay. But when, when all five of them, especially one, two, three, four, and five are kind, caring, mm-hmm. it just trickles down. Well, um, you've probably heard about our old and say our infamous game that we played yes. with uh, in yes. our interviews. So <laughs> yes. gotten a little bit of a reputation. So Jay's gonna queue up the game and we'll go through some fun scenarios. All right, great, great. The easy questions are over. Now they're yeah. done. Okay. Yeah, I'm sitting in my oh. own personal hot seat here at home, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah. That's that's right. That's right. And the camera's on you. We're just gonna say about it. All right. Uh, the thing is, it gives you multiple choice. And I'm really oh, right the wrong answer. So, uh-huh. you can't really mess it up. Uh, your multiple <laughs> choice answers for these questions. You're going to choose between three of your colleagues. Either Amy McNeil, Titus Welliver, or Ryan Ahern. So, you have to choose one of those three for all of these scenarios we are going to present to you. Right. You ready for the first one? So, so Scott, it turns out You've taken up drum lifts, and now you've been taking them for a while. And we need to know which one of those three would actually allow you to come to their house for a little performance. Okay, are, are, am I bringing my own drums, or do they have drums in their house? Um, <laughs> no, you got, I think you got to bring yours. I think you got to bring yeah, yours. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know 
if you follow Titus at all on Twitter, the dude loves music. I mean, he sure. uh, every mm. I mean, he posts so many things, so many bands. So I'm going to say Titus Wallowitz. Ding, 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 okay. ding. No, that's a good call. Like He's it. even got like his it. own bell, Tracy. Wow. That's right. Yeah, he's got that's his right. own bell. I know, he doesn't have to do the bell. <laughs> that's my okay. side gig. There you go. Um, number two, you're looking for a new smoothie place. Who would likely make the best recommendation? Well, Amy probably thinks they're unhealthy. Um, <laughs> let's, go with, uh, let's go with Ryan on that one. Okay, okay. There you go. I like it. All right, so July 4th is right around the corner. We've decided to have a cookout, but you don't want to do any of the cooking. So you need one of these three to manage that grill. Who's going to do it for you? I'm going to stop you right there, and that's got to be Titus. Titus, yeah, I could totally see him taking over a grill. And it's not easy for a man to give up his grill. You know what I mean? True. True. Yes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I could totally see him being just kind of holding court there. You know what I mean? Okay. While okay. he's grilling. So, I think, yeah. I, think I have a visual. There you go. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. All right. Number four, <laughs> you are part of the World Team Ping Pong Championship, but your partner, Dewan Johnson, can't make it at the last minute. Naturally. Yeah. <laughs> so who's gonna sub in for Duan? You know what? And I'm not just saying this because I haven't said her name yet, but I'm gonna say Amy Aquino. She's a competitive <laughs> little gal. You know what I mean? She's got some fire. So and I have a funny feeling that Amy knows how to play a mean game of ping pong. I'm, I, I'm just I'm going out on a limb there, but I I think I'm right. Okay. Okay. We're gonna have fun with that one, yeah, we got yeah, follow yeah. Up on this. we'll follow up. Do you guys play ping pong at all? Uh, I used to play at work. We used to have like a whole gym at our office and um, uh, where you could play volleyball and ping pong and stuff on your lunch break. So I, I did a good amount of ping pong back then. Yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, we, we roll it out. I got one in the garage and we roll it out and we have little yeah. family tournaments when, when uh, the cousins come in town. So. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That sounds fun. That sounds fun. It is fun. Actually. It really it is, is in the championship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Oh, that's too funny. All right, last one for you. Last one for you. Maybe the hardest one of them all. Someone stole all of your M&Ms when you weren't looking. Who was it? Oh, boy. You know what? And he probably doesn't even like M&Ms, but I'm, I'm going to say Titus because he's just messing with Mank. He knows that I like my m and my yeah. brioche and all that stuff, and he, I'm sure he took it. I, in fact, I'm going to call him right after I hang up with you guys and, and ream him out about it. There you go. You 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 I knew it was you. I knew it was you. <laughs> totally. Very good. Totally. Very good. <laughs> I like it. That Thank you so much. This is a oh, lot no, of fun. Guys, it's my pleasure. My pleasure, honestly. We've been really looking forward to talking to you. I mean, you really do. We, we, your character really does has contributed so much to the show for all the seasons. It's just, you know, so we really appreciate it. And it's, well, we really thank you. The character. It's done a great you know, job. And we, I appreciate that. How many years have you guys been on? How many years have you been doing this podcast? Uh, this is our second year doing the podcast. Great. So. Well, guys, congratulations, man. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm really uh, I'm happy that you're doing it, and you guys are doing a great job. Well, we're we're ready for many more seasons to go. So That's right. Bring it, it on.
And you know, we just got the call yesterday. We just got I just got a, a message from my manager yesterday. Uh-huh. Throwing out throwing out dates, you know, like Oh, um, okay. Yeah, it's coming, yes. right? Sure. So definitely. All right, guys. All right. Well, if, well, thank I don't you wanna, so much. You're more than welcome. And once again, great job and congratulations on the success of the podcast. Thank hey, you. Well, thank you for the show. Thanks, well, man. You were awesome. Thanks, well, Jay. <laughs> All right, guys. Take care of yourselves. Okay. All right. All right. Fantastic. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.